Forge America Missional Podcast. My name is Terry Ishi, and today on the roundtable, uh, we are joined by three lovely individuals uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Alan, Alan Bradford, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm just glad that you called me lovely. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, man. That's probably never going to happen again. So, <laughs> for one shot. Uh, we're also uh, joined by uh, Drew Thurman in Boston. Drew, how you doing, buddy? Can't complain. Nice. Uh, tell us uh, uh, a little bit about yourself. Like, I mean, it's your, your first time on the podcast, uh, at least the roundtable. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing in Boston. Uh, you're our Forge Boston director. So that's why you're connected to the tribe. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, after uh, doing ministry in a traditional paradigm for a decade, uh, had the opportunity to start a faith community in the Boston area, not a local uh never will be considered a local in New England, but love it. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a decentralized um, micro church entity um, and really forges. I didn't know really what I was doing and actually stumbled into a Lance Ford seminar at a um, exponential conference and was like, I love what this guy's saying. How do I make this my ministry? And it's grown into kind of a micro church expression of the church here in Boston. And then, yeah, because Forge trained us our first year on the ground, they said, Hey, you should start a hub. And I said, no. And they said, Oh, come down to Manhattan. We're going to cook you barbecue and you get to hang out in the city. And then I left and I somehow had started a hub. I'd like signed my <laughs> life away. So uh, no, in all reality, it's been a blast. And uh, it's just a chance for us to advance the conversation we believe in as a faith community uh, with a lot of churches in the existing paradigm. And, um, you know, with folks uh, that would never give us the time of day if they just heard that we were from Renaissance. So yeah, getting to do that as well. Awesome. Well, man, it's, I'm, we're so glad that you, you, you're able to join us today. Uh, and then we're also joined by the wonderful and lovely Brenna Varner, Brenna in Albany, Oregon. We've had Joel on, but now we have the better version of, the, uh, of, of your family. So Thank you. Well, I just heard that I was wonderful and lovely, so take that, Alan Bradford. Uh, yeah, I'm Brenna. I live here in Albany, Oregon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Now, we've had Joel on, like I said, uh, and he shared a little bit about what you guys are doing, um, but he probably screwed it up. So why why don't you share a little bit of, like, what are you guys doing? Um, what pays the bills for you? Uh, and then what are, what's like, what's new for you guys? Yeah, I, uh, I work at a medical school and I, uh, train actors and actresses to portray patients for medical students to practice their skills. So that's, that's my day job. Um, and then, uh, my husband Joel and I, uh, lead Forge Albany and we've been training local people to live as missionaries, uh, for the past five years now, um, and, and really out of an outflow of that, of continuing to train um, people to live as missionaries and then to sending them off, um, I felt this uh, unease as a shepherd that there wasn't a sustaining community uh, for those missionaries. And so a, a few year process and uh, praying over that and we're starting grassroots, a network of micro churches from those individuals who uh, have been trained up and are, are wanting to live this way, but need 
a, a network, need sustainability, need people to live on mission with. So uh, this Sunday night, we're, we're starting our first gathering. That's awesome. That's great. So, okay, Brenda, you just dropped the most unique job, uh, really. So I train actors and actresses to be patients. What in the world? Like, give us just a little bit more than that, okay? It, yeah, it is a strange job. And that's been my elevator speech that I've tried to bring it down to try <laughs> explain uh, what my job is. So in medical education, uh, they have departments called standardized patient. And so I am a standardized patient educator. So um, we train people to exhibit symptoms and for the students so they can practice their history taking, they can practice their physical exam and their humanism, their bedside manner. Uh, and so we do formative assessments uh, and, and assessments for uh, a grade and give the students feedback. They get feedback from their patients uh, and they get a grade from us. So it's a it's a very strange world uh, and also a very wonderful, wonderful place where I get to help doctors be um, compassionate, caring physicians uh, in our communities. That is awesome. Yeah. So do, wait, do you pay do you pay your actors and actresses? Yeah, 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 they're hired. I think I know what my retirement job's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> it, it reminds me of the episode of Seinfeld where yes, where Kramer does it. Yeah, right. Is it the same thing, or it's like yes. gonorrhea? Yeah, gonorrhea. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <good>. Oh gosh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's first time and only time that gonorrhea will ever be. <laughs> can only hope. Can only hope. Huh? All right. Well, let's uh, let's try to save this thing already. Um, all right. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about uh, small groups, missional communities, and micro churches. Last week on the interview, uh, Roland sat down with Brad Briscoe and did a fantastic job uh, just talking through some of the things that Brad's working on. And in that interview, and if you haven't listened to that interview, stop this. Go listen to that interview. Go listen to it. It's like thirty-five minutes. So good. Uh, but in that interview, Brad talks about missional communities, kind of what they are, how they operate. And he even talked about this idea. There's a difference between a, a missional community that is a team of missionaries and a missionary team and come some of the nuances of that. And so after listening to that, I thought, you know what, it might be really good to kind of sit down. Let's get, let's get the right people at the table and talk about like, okay, what's a small group? What's it good for? What's a missional community? What is it? Like, how does it work? What's it good for? And then what is a microchurch? Now, again, there are varying definitions of each of those. And so by no means are we today saying these are the definite, like, definitions. Like, these are what it is. And if you have any semblance of this, then it's not. I think we can lean pretty good into here are some basic elements of something uh and that makes it this and so we'll get into that but again nothing we're, we're not the experts on this but we are practitioners and so drew and uh brenna and alan you guys are all on this call because at some time you guys have either created these are currently creating these or you're in the you're in the position to begin doing some of this. So uh, lots of experience uh, at the table today. So let's jump in. I think it'd be helpful to start the conversation around the idea of small groups. Small groups have been around forever. Uh, small groups were basically created in the 
uh, kind of as the, the rise of the mega church and the church growth movement in the 80s, people were falling out the back door, so to speak. And so you had the creation of small groups. The idea is how do we take a large group of people, make them smaller so that the hopes, if they had some sort of relational connection, some sort of community, then they may stick around uh, at the church for, for a longer period of time. Uh, and then over time, which I think I know at least two of you have been a part of church plants. Have you ever read the book Assimilation by Nelson Searcy? You guys haven't read it? Yeah, you've read it, Drew. It is like the book <laughs> on like, how do you get people to stick in your church? It's fantastic. I mean, it is the book if you're going with that model. But the church growth movement, fantastic resource for that. But it talked about why church groups matter, why small groups matter, and all of that. So let's start there. What are your thoughts on small groups, your experience with them, what you love about them, what you hate about them? Yeah, so so for me, I could tell you this. I, I got into the professional church work game back in the late '90s, and so this is this is, and it's in the South. So this is you know as the whole church growth movement started to to kind of come around, and everybody in the church growth movement, it was that exactly what you said. Is you're you're aiming for community. Like they were like, hey, if people are connected to each other, then they'll stick around. Like the community is a big deal. You have a Sunday gathering and whatever size it is, at some point, relational connectedness just starts to break down. So how do we get people connected? Now, in all of this, the one thing I don't want to do is to, to like paint one of these as bad. So like say, hey, sure. small groups are bad and only this is good. Because, you know, the first church I was a part of, I was I helped start our small group ministry. This is, you know late nineties, early two thousands had nothing like it. And so we did the turbo group. I did all the reading, you know, trained up leaders, did all this stuff. And it was great. It was really good. We started creating small groups. In fact, at one of the churches I was at, my wife, uh, you know, not on staff, just on her own. Uh, this church had gone from no women's small groups to uh, eight in two years. She had just created them. It was just like, loved it. She just found her niche and getting women together, creating space for them and doing all that. But after a while, and I think this is what's played out for most people, is that that's what we were shooting for, community, really ultimately is boring. <laughs> it's just a community is like, uh, it's not enough of a, it's not of enough of a direction to actually keep a group together. And so I just found, I found small groups in the end wanting. Now they were great for pastoral care, crisis care. They were great for connecting people. They were great for study, for formation, if you could keep it that way, if you yeah. could actually keep that going. But as far as like longevity, as far as, okay, where's this thing going? Like, what's the point? Like we can only become so good of a friend. Community yeah. as, a, as a goal just seemed wanting. Yeah, I think I can jump in on that too. You know, I think uh, you're wise to not like, yeah, just throw the baby out the bathwater. And there are some great things. I very similarly, uh, before I did what I do now, oversaw our discipleship pathway at my former church, including small groups. And I love what you were saying. Uh, it was a very aimless pursuit. I remember when I first took it over, um, I started asking, I brought in all of our small group leaders, and none of them could tell me where they were going or what they were accomplishing. And many of them were like, how many um, right now media studies on marriage and parenting can we do before we just feel like we're bored um, and we don't, we don't really know where we're going. But I also would say as much as I think, I, yeah, community was always the gathering point. I think I always felt like in any small group I was in, 
as great as it was to connect people and especially people who were maybe stepping into the church and needed to find other Christians because it was such a large congregation, uh, that it was kind of faux community. And so, because at the end of the day, I think sometimes the medium is greater than the message. A lot of times the groups that I were, I was in, it was like, well, I'm only, a lot of people were driving from a distance. Uh, they were connecting because maybe they were in the same life phase. And it was like, I'm doing this because the church told me to do it. I don't really know why else I'm here. And I'm only going to really give you this hour a week or this hour a few times a month. And I think that right in of itself limits uh, the effectiveness of how biblical can, community can take place. It's like, I don't really want to open up and share my life uh, or you're not going to probably open up and share your life and have accountability when this is the only time you really see each other. It's this weird uh, sociological uh, experiment the church is conducting on us and it's not real community. And I'm not sure we would actually be friends and doing life together if the church didn't tell me I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, small groups, community groups, life groups, whatever you end up calling them, um, you know, they're, they're hit or miss at best, you know? Um, and I, I think when they function well, they are a great space for like life on life, you know, learning life on life, accountability, life on life care. Uh, but like you said, I've, I've been, a, I've been in doing this since 1997. Um, and I've been in more groups where I had kind of the experience that you just described, Drew, where it's like, I'm in this group because I was a lot of times because I was the staff member that was like, hey, this group sucks. You need to go help them. And then it was like, so that's why maybe my my experience painted a little different. I was the yeah. guy that's like, you know, I was always you know, like, hey, send Ishi. He'll he'll help figure it out. But it's like, yeah, but it kills me in the process. Uh, but I agree with Bradford. I think community in of itself gets, it gets a little boring after time. It's like, how long can we hang out and do the same thing? You know, um, you do a couple revolutions of that and then it, it just, it loses its, its luster. Um, and, you know, and I think one of the things we'll talk about as we look at all these different things, mission communities, micro churches and small groups is, you know, the things that, that makes them, that differentiate them is their organizing principle. And, you know, I, I, I get the privilege of working with a lot of churches. And one of the questions I get is, what do I do with my small groups? Should, should we kill them? Like, we want missional communities. So should I kill my small group? And I tell them, don't kill them. Uh, actually, free them up. Uh, because I think what, we, what happens is we look at community groups, small groups, life groups, and we overload them. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read uh, Death by Meeting by Patrick Lencioni. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, and one of the things that, uh, that Patrick says in the book is, you know, the reason why meetings fail so frequently is because they put, they try to have too many, they try to have too many meetings in one meeting. And so I see churches doing this all the time with small groups. What is your, what's small groups for? Well, it's for community. Well, it's for formation. It's for discipleship. It's for this and it's for that. And, and, oh yeah, we're going to have, you know, certain initiatives that are going to flow from that. And one of the things that I'll tell people to like, don't get rid of your small groups, but just free them up. If small groups are for community, then let them be for community and don't <laughs> bog them down with anything else. And then turn them to, into affinity groups where it's like, Hey, you want this, these people like to drink turn that into a small group and let them go drink, right? Or they like to play games, let them just go do tri pub trivia, you know, let that be the group. Because if community is, is the point, 
community will form out of that. But when we try to say, well, there are small groups for our community, but we're going to give them a Bible study. I don't know about you guys, but there've been very few Bible studies that I've attended where I've found my best friend in. (laughs) Just, it, it doesn't happen. Well, I'd like, I'd like to, so here's a, here's a question I have for you, Brenna. Here, those, that was three guys talking about small groups. Now, I'm assuming that you've been in small groups. Now, uh, what, what I've noticed as a, as a man in church, okay, as a guy, and hearing from other guys in church is the, the church that we kind of grew up in, where it was like attend a Sunday gathering, attend Sunday school, attend a small group, is they're bored. <laughs> they're, I don't want to get together with a bunch of people I hardly know and talk about my feelings or talking about, you know, oh, we're talking about Jesus. So it feels like it could be a right or wrong answer here. Um, I got to get this. And, and, you know, where you get around and you share, right? Um, and, and, and just guys are not, not that guys don't do that, you know, but that guys do. Uh, the other part of it I heard too, is, you know, I've had people in our community who are, who are hardcore introverts. And when you start talking about small groups, a lot of times you start talking about the multiplication of small groups, right? They're like, Oh, Hey, if you get so big, then you've got to divide and, and blah, blah, blah. And that's how this thing keeps going. Well, I have intro- introverts go, if I'm going to be with the community for only like two years and then you're going to take them away, I'm not going to invest. It's not worth my time. And actually, I think now the statistics say, you know, really a group can maybe multiply three times and then it's done. It's out. You're just killing things. So I'd love to hear from your perspective, Breno. Okay. In this conversation of small groups, the good, the bad, and the ugly from a female's perspective. I was thinking back and listening to everyone talk because I haven't been a part of a small group, but really processed that for a decade. I, it's been a long time. So I was just remembering back to small groups. And, and the first thing I remember is just feeling like, man, we get together and just see who has the best answer for the Bible study. And, um, and then somebody has the best answer and we all say our, our Jesus words and then we, we go home and then we get back together and then we come back and we say our Jesus words and then we go home. And, uh, I didn't, as a female, I as a shepherd female, I didn't find it compelling. Um, it, it felt very surface. Uh, and I love what Drew said about um, you're not life on life. You really aren't. Um, we're getting together and um, and opening the Bible. And that's and that's wonderful. We're getting together and, and talking about our life. And that's wonderful. But there's something inherently missing that does not spur me on into the life of Jesus in, in that. And I didn't, I did not find Jesus life in small groups personally. Yeah. And and I'm sure there's someone listening right now. Who's like, Oh my gosh, it's, I've never experienced that. And small groups may have been super, super fantastic. And, and, you know, 20 years of small groups, or maybe 12 years of small groups. And then the last 10 of missional communities, but I mean, I've had, there, there've been moments where I've enjoyed it, you know, just, and so by no means are we saying that small groups are horrible, you know, get rid of them. You know, it's just, you know, they, again, there's the, there's the good of it and there's the bad of it. And so utilize small groups are good for what they're good for. And that, and I, and I think we can all agree. Uh, that's a fair statement that they do serve a purpose and they do do some things but what we often see is when they're overloaded, they tend to lose their effectiveness. But we also, I think it's fair to say that, you know, and this is something we talk about in Forge quite a bit, is community for the sake of community, to use Alan's word, is, is boring over time. You know, we talk about this idea of communitas, that what does community look like that's formed 
out of some sort of adventure, some sort of mission, something that something that we we put our hands to together and the relationships that are formed out of that. I remember uh, years ago at the, the the church that I left before we started Neighborhood Church Collective, we started uh, some small groups after a short-term mission trip. And it was one of the best small groups we ever had. It was just one of those things where we had a, a wide group of people on, on, a, on a trip and kind of looking as like, none of these people are in our small group. We should, let, let's, when this is done, let's put them in a small group. And it was one of the best small groups that we had, relationally speaking. And the reason why is because they had experienced this short-term mission trip where they worked together and it was, it was almost, a, you know, a, a getting out of outside of themselves and the connections and the community they built there kind of sealed them in that moment. So when they came back, they, they longed to be together. And so that community was really strong um, over a period of time. And, and again, now there, there were some destructive things that kind of come out of that because what we often see when communities for community's sake, it gets inward. And that's where I think as pastors, I don't know a pastor that I, I, I haven't met a pastor who hasn't had at least one story of an inward, you know, small group that was just super toxic. And so again, that's something that you, you have to deal with. All right. So let's shift small group to missional community. How, how would you, what, what do you guys, when you think missional community, how do you define that? When someone says, explain what a missional community is, what do you guys say? Uh, I would say a missional community is a subset of the larger church that live life together intentionally to be outwardly focused so that the the makeup of that group would be uh, all individuals who are already professing Jesus and are intentionally living together to live gospel lives. Um, but it wouldn't necessarily be a mixed group uh, of, of both faiths. No, I don't think I can actually top that. That was the perfect definition. Uh, that's kind of how I've always viewed them. Uh, I don't have, I mean, I tried to gear small groups when I led them more towards uh, a missional community um, feel. My introduction to that world was through Saturate and Jeff Vanderstelt and that whole world of kind of a family of servant missionaries, I think is the terminology they use. But again, it's tethered together by the larger church. And so that's the still... The, you know, the umbrella that they're under and yes, but they're just much more intentional and they have shared mission together. Often geography is the, is the basis there. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, I've, I've experienced them from afar, but, uh, and again, we tried to move our people there a little bit more, but yeah, I think uh, Brenna's definition was perfect. Yeah, those are great. I, what I've noticed in the midst of forge training, the term missional community, it, it's just like the term missional has become the new hot buzzword, right? Yeah. It's the next new thing. And so a lot of times we have to actually unpack the term. One of the terms, and again, this could be just semantics, but one of the terms I've come around to saying more is like missional expression. And it's more of an umbrella term where missional community can fall under that. You have different ideas, different ways. Because a lot of times people, like you just said, people come to the term and then someone's taught them, hey, here's the frame of what this is. You know, whether it's Vanderstel, whether it's this, you know, a lot of uh, the 3DM, Breen, it's like, here's exactly what a missional community is by my definition. And you're like, ah, cool. But I think we can get, we can open it up a little bit more. Like, let's kind of open this up. And I love what you said. It's a group of people who are on mission together. Like that, going back to your term, uh, Terry, but the organizing principle is, is mission. 
And that's what we're about. What does this look like? A lot of times it's geography. It's hard to crack the code beyond geography. Like that's just a hard one, unless you rally around a cause, you know, you could really, you know, um, one of the phrases I've heard is, you know, you rally around a people group, a place or a cause. Um, so what is it? What are you going to, what, what, what is your community going to be about? And yeah, that's for me, unpacking the term is a little bit, is a little bit part of the conversation as well. Yeah, I think the key, I think the key point is the organizing principle. Uh, it's not, it's not community, uh, it's mission, right? It's uh, so organizing around that is, is important, whether it's, you know, whatever that common mission is, you know, being, it, it, it yeah, it varies. Uh, I love how Briscoe defines missional community. You guys listening, you can go to missionalchurchnetwork.com. That's Brad Briscoe's uh, blog. Back in July, he had a post on on this very topic, and uh, he describes a missional community. Uh, he says it can be defined as a committed uh, group of Jesus followers, um, the size of an extended family. Uh, so anywhere from 12 to 25, that's the numbers that he tends to throw out. I know Mike Breen throws out like 70, and so he really inflates it bigger. A committed group of Jesus followers who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to participate in God's mission of redemption in a particular neighborhood or network. And so he, he, he looks at that and basically breaks down the seven key phrases of the definition. And so the idea of a committed, a committed group, uh, they're devoted to each other and their devotion to each other uh, is equal to the devotion to the mission that they have collectively, which I think that's where missional communities tend to, at least the modern day, what people call missional communities. I think this is where it falls. And I think a lot of that is because Mission community is a cool word. I don't know what makes a word cool or not, but you know, you have some people who say, Hey, we're going to do mission communities. And they basically just changed small groups and they're now missional communities. And so they're a committed group of people, right? They're committed. They're devoted to each other check, but equally devoted to a mission outside of that community, that's where it's lacking. And so I would say that's one of the biggest differences between a missional community and a small group. Thanks for calling me out, Terry. That was my journey. Uh, I, I tried to like, oh man, I'll, I'll make these small groups something more. And so, yeah. yeah, we they basically were just small groups that I epically failed at trying to get on mission. But, so thank you uh, for uh, verbalizing my failure. No, seriously, uh, I we, we learned that the hard way. And I think you're absolutely right. And it had to be something, I think we still even, I do think there is that, again, that tethering together of a missional community to a larger you know, church expression, um, but we were still trying to, I think small groups are very rigid and we were still thinking that way and needed to do a better job of helping our leaders and the individual groups develop the mission themselves, create a covenant that they would hold themselves to. And it wasn't a top down thing because that if, if it was, it was basically just going to be a small group with, with a new cool catchy name. Yeah. And, and I think even, it's so common. I mean, I know they're a church here in town that they've shifted and, and they're, and they're very open about it. They're like, yeah, we call them small, we call them mission communities, but they're still small groups, but you, you got to start somewhere and hopefully it's, it's shifting. So looking at a committed group uh, who are both devoted to each other, devoted to the mission uh, of that community. Briscoe goes on to say that, uh, you know, the idea of Jesus followers, that it's important that mission communities, you know, they're maturing disciples who are following Jesus's lead. So they're like taking the incarnation seriously. That's a huge aspect of mission communities. And so again, if you're if you're listening and you're like, well, we're trying to lead mission communities, but we're 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 
or stalling out, uh, the incarnation is a huge, huge piece that we have to we have to be looking at the model of Jesus as the incarnation for us in our own action and how we live that out. So guys, I'd love to hear this. Uh, for most pastors and leaders, you don't have to explain small groups. You don't have to give examples of a small groups. Most people know what that is. Can you guys give actual examples of, of a, a missional community? So like here's missional community, you know, X, and this is what they do, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can, again, just from my experience, we tried to pivot this direction. And, you know, my experience now is obviously much more doing micro church stuff. But, you know, yeah, I think we once we, the way that we were able to shift small groups to, to missional communities was, again, introducing a covenant and really working with our, it was a lot of leadership development of trying to help them foster among themselves uh, a common mission and some uh, kind of a common rule of life that they were going to adopt as a community that they could begin to live into and hold themselves accountable to. And that might, you know, that was, again, to a certain degree, decentralizing. Uh, it was a small step that direction because it was less, let us pump you full of what we think you need to be studying and what you need to be doing and what your rhythm looked like. A lot of the rhythm started to change. It wasn't just, let's just huddle uh, to have some hors d'oeuvres and study, you know, the sermon based notes, a lot of them started to have different structures, which I think that was the first introduction I had to that, uh, to a different rhythm of gathering through missional communities where there might be a, a large, uh, dinner community night, and then there might be breaking into some study nights and then a serve night together in that common mission. Uh, but there was a lot more flexibility, um, that we were trying to introduce in our folks that it wasn't just just come together, eat, uh, and, and study uh, our sermon-based notes. And that began to be what uh, some of our missional communities, you know, began to look like. There's something that, that Drew just said that I think is such a pivotal point in this, and that it is uh, helping our people in their identity as the priesthood of all believers. And I think that's one of the biggest roadblocks, barriers, that I think for transitioning small groups into missional communities or in, in starting micro churches, which I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Um, but there's a, there's something that we need to help people to see their own gifting and their ability to lead and their identity in God's mission for them to be able to step out and lead rather than to just hear from leadership down and what they should be doing. But um, that they have a practice of listening to what God's calling them to do, what God is asking of them, um, how they're made by God, um, and and how they participate in his mission. And I think that identity switch um, is, there's a lot involved with that, and it's a long-term process. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest uh, barriers to moving outwardly focused is that individuals see themselves as sent people and individuals know that they are equipped and called uh, by Jesus and that they have the Holy Spirit and um, God will be yeah. using them. Yeah, it's good. I mean, one of my favorite stories of missional communities is um, we, we've, we've led a missional community in our neighborhood for over a decade now. And we've uh, over time, we've, we've included people who are more on the uh, pioneering apostolic 
uh, side, and then we've had more on the developing side. Uh, and then anytime we get someone who's more apostolic, I'm always like, okay, you're going to go start something. You're going to go start a mission community. And well, we did that a handful of years ago and uh, they were like, we don't know how to do this. Like, what do we do? Like, what does a mission community do? And it's really exactly what, what Drew just said is uh, find, find something in the neighborhood you want to see restored. Uh, and they, they lived on this little block uh, and they were like, they, they longed for the day when kids just were all over the streets, just hanging out, families kind of connecting. And so that was kind of the thing that they aimed for is like, how do we bring all of these people together? And so they started hosting like front yard get togethers and they would just start slowly, just the neighbor from across the street would come. Well, fast forward two years later, they've got 20, 30 people uh, kind of doing these things. And just like Drew said, you know, they were, they would have these big, big groups where they'd come together. Uh, most people at that, at those group gatherings, not, not yet followers of Jesus. Uh, but being exposed to that, being discipled in some areas of life around marriage and family and parenting and those sorts of things. Um, and then they would break down into smaller groups where they'd say, hey, let's, let's provide this, uh, some spiritual stuff for our kids. Which, which That's the, what I find fascinating, that there's still a group in, in today's America where I don't necessarily want any Jesus for me but I want my kids to have it. And so they like, they begin to notice that. So they leaned in there. And so they got a smaller group of people and they was like, Hey, well, we'll, we'll, we can do some lessons for our kids, but you know, backyard Bible club type deal, but we'll just do it year round and we'll have a big meal and make it a family thing. So they began doing these things. Well, what's cool is um, uh, our friends, uh, Eric uh, and Kate, when they, uh, they felt God calling them to move, from Austin uh, to Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, we, we were heartbroken. The neighborhood was heartbroken that this kind of key family who'd been leading this charge of restoration in the neighborhood uh, was kind of leaving. They go up and I, I got a, a, a text message a couple of days ago, uh, maybe a week or so ago, and uh, some of the impact of their time on their neighborhood uh, there are now families who are impacted by that, who are now leading the charge into some of that same thing. So it's like there are now missional communities. You can't, you can't, I'm air quoting, but missional community. That's like a new one has been born and they're not even part of the network because they didn't even know they were part of the network. They're like, oh, here's a new way to live. And so I think that is the impact that missional communities have that uh, you, 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 you participate in the Missio Day. Um, where everyone's kind of coming around this idea of redemption, how both in proclamation and demonstration to see a neighborhood or whatever it may be, a network, a, a group, a circle of friends, whatever, but all kind of being formed around this idea of shalom and putting the world back together. And so, uh, yeah, so that's my favorite example of missional community. All right, so let's let's take this one step farther. What about microchurch? How would you guys define and kind of unpack microchurch? Uh, um, a microchurch, um, the starting point and the organizing principle uh, has to be mission, just like a, a missional uh, community, mission, any missional expression. That starting point, the reason that you exist is to live on mission. Um, but I would say a, a microchurch, rather than just being a community of people who are already following Jesus, a microchurch is a community where 
uh, people are in different various states of their faith and in, in their journey. Uh, and together, collectively, those people are expressing ecclesial minimums. They are having community. There is some way that they are serving, that they are part of meeting physical needs, whether it's within the community or outside the community. And there is a call to worship, to uh, proclaim that Jesus is Lord over all of our lives. But that community can take those ecclesial minimums and express it in ways that make sense to the people that they are incarnating with. So, you know, on our street here in Albany, um, what makes sense for these people? for these people that I live with, for them to be in community? What would that look like? What needs are being expressed here that we can have communitas with, that we can be shoulder to shoulder and, and to serve one another? And that creates true community. Um, what does worship and proclaiming that Jesus is Lord of all of our lives look like for the people of, of Tudor Way? Um, so it, it's, a, it's a mixed group of people journeying together in those um, those rhythms of, of church life, of gospel life. Yeah, I'd just pick up on that. I mean, I think it, it you know, there's very blurry lines between yeah. missional communities and micro churches. They both, the gathering principle is mission, just as Brenna was saying. Um, and in some senses, what Terry was describing, I was like, that sounds like a micro church to me more than a missional community. But uh, a lot of the way that I've seen it lived out, and I don't know if this is perfect, but the way I've seen it lived out is, again, I think the, a lot of missional community expressions of the church are still very much tethered to a uh, more existing church paradigm or to a Sunday morning centric gathering. And micro churches tend to um, be much more adaptive. They look much different group to group and are very much more seeking a little bit more autonomy in how they're living into the mission. Um, and so then the, the, if there is a larger network of the church, it's typically operating more as a hub than it is as uh, still kind of uh, in that existing paradigm of providing the religious goods and services uh, and preaching and teaching and all that. It's really trying to empower all of those things to be realized um, you know, on the micro level and not on a macro level. And so I can just say that from our, our standpoint, that's very much how it looks. We only gather once a month to worship all of our micro churches together. It's not weekly um, and are trying to train our folks to be the church um, on a week in week out level, um, you know, living into mission and then building spiritual community around that as Brenna was, was describing. Yeah, and I think it's important to state that there is no one definition, and I, and I think we just have to be really, really careful that we don't get locked into, well, that's this is what it says. Um, I know, uh, Brian, um, <clears throat> um, um, well, I'm, uh, I'm blanking on Brian's last name. Sanders. What was it? Yeah, Brian Sanders. Sanders. Brian Sanders. You. Sanders. Uh, you know, he wrote the, the, he wrote the book, uh, Microchurches, um, and you know, there, he, he says a lot and, you know, I, I know for the underground, you know, they would say a, a micro church is uh, a group of people on mission together. So a group of missionaries, but they have their, their, they've stated a, a common either issue problem in the city that they are aiming to rectify to bring restoration, to bring wholeness to. So gathering around issues of poverty, human trafficking, 
education, crime, homelessness, mental health, whatever it may be, that they would say that would be a missional community where you would have people who are on mission, they're living as missionaries, but them coming together around a very specific issue in the city, not so much a neighborhood centric or a network centric where you just have people kind of living life together. But this is where we're going outward and say, hey, here's an issue we're trying to tackle. I think that's a fine definition of it. I think that's that's good. Uh, I lean more towards, Drew, what you were kind of laying out, that when I think microchurch, I think more of an autonomous expression. Um, neighborhood Church Collective, we don't call them microchurches. We call them missional expressions. Uh, what, Brad, what Bradford was saying, this idea of it's a little more encompassing where more things, it feels like more. it's, it's a little more, sa- uh, not safe, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a little more forgiving in the definition where it's like, oh, is that what it, it's a missional expression? It fits. And so, um, and again, I think the key thing is not get caught up in the nuance of, well, do we fit the definition? I, I think the beauty is, is the organizing principle of this thing, mission. Uh, and when we use the word mission, that's a loaded word. We haven't even really scratched that. But when we talk about mission, we talk about the Missio Dei, uh, this idea of revealing the rule and reign of God in the everyday spaces of life, this idea of, of helping people see the kingdom of God, experiencing it, tasting it, uh, knowing that it's good, uh, and then in, in letting it spread and encouraging people to experience it for themselves. Um, and so as long as we're orienting around mission, whether you are a group of people who are locked into one specific pursuit, fantastic. Or if you're just a group of people who are living lives that work in different places, you may even live in different neighborhoods, but you're coming together because you all see yourselves as missionaries who are trying to reveal this in your everyday life where you live, work, and play. It counts. So to me, one isn't better than the other. Um, It's, it's, it's marketing at the end of the day. It's like whatever you want to call it. It's like, yeah, call it what you want. We were, we've been processing with, with people that we um, have trained to live as missionaries. You know, what would we want to call as we're starting this network of microchurches? What would we want to call it? And, and missional expressions um, feels less maybe intimidating, um, but we really leaned toward um, using the word microchurch itself because we really wanted to lean toward um the, the individuals seeing themselves as the priesthood of all believers. And it was a, it was a language choice to say, hey, you are the one who is shepherding your microchurch. You are in leadership of it. You are listening to God. We are here to live this life together. Um, but this is going to be from a, a hub, like Drew was saying. Um, we're going to be networked together as a hub, but really pushing the decentralized, the, the work of the church out into those micro churches. I think it's more of a, a language thing than like you said, a, 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 an actual label or function, um, the intent in decentralizing. Well, and I would even say with that, what makes it really tough when you're leading, you know, I'm learning this as someone I'm learning on the fly as we're kind of commissioning and growing micro churches is that, again, unlike even like missional communities, it's much messier. And because a lot of what we're trying to do is to create like an ecclesial imagination in the life of every single person beyond just, there is a missional, yeah, they're gathering around that, but they've also got to have a little bit of an ecclesial imagination about how do I build spiritual community around it. And when you foster that, 
it is all over the place. And we've got, and we've even had to learn to just be okay with people coloring outside the lines. Um, but it's much like grander and it's a little bit harder to keep track of because again, if you are truly going to be decentralized, you're going to have to be okay with some of that. And I would say from some of my, I've got friends here in the city, even close by that run missional communities. And I would say that's the biggest difference. If you went missional community to missional community and their congregation, they almost all look the same gathered around mission. Mm -hmm. If you came and started to see what we're launching, none of ours look anywhere near the same because we're doing so much of, we're not giving you the form and just say, be on mission with this form. We're literally saying, we want to just create this imagination and in you and then begin to encourage you and resource you as you live into that. Yeah, I've got, I've got one for you. I, I bet you guys have never heard of this. You ever heard of round pins? Oh, what? Round, round pins? Round, round pins. pins. So here in Texas, we have a little, little micro movement called cowboy churches that are like really picking up steam. Well, I was working with a, a church planting, a church planter of a cowboy church uh, a couple years ago. And round pins are these ideas. It's, a, it's what they call small groups or this idea of a round pin is where like you would train a horse, right? So have you ever seen a cowboy movie where they, the horse runs in a circle? It's a round pin. Uh, and so these ideas of how can you, how can you go out into these round pins where roughnecks are, you know, or these cowboys, they're just doing their thing. You know, they ain't got time for Jesus. You know, they're just doing their thing. Like, how do you leverage those spaces and, and rodeos and, and build into some of those things? And so again, it's, I love the imagination piece because there's no way in the world I ever would have thought about messing with some horses. Like People that know me personally know I don't like animals that are bigger than me and I'm a big old boy. And so, but if there's big, if there, if it's an animal bigger than me, I don't want to mess with it. But I just, it's cool that people are imaginative enough to know that they can go out there and build these relationships for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, and again, it's not something just, Hey, come and listen to a Bible study, but it's like, let's, let's learn to live life together. Let me explain show you what uh, this different way could be that this is a better way to live i'm not sure i really heard anything you just said terry because i was just picturing you in cowboy boots <laughs> and a big old belt buckle that was the most texas thing ever man yo well, you know <laughs> we do texas down here uh, but yeah i haven't worn cowboy boots since i was like seven years old my my calves my calf muscles aren't boot friendly by any means <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I think that's a good spot to kind of end, end our conversation. Uh, I don't know if any of this has been helpful, but thank you guys for jumping on. Again, I, I think the, the big takeaway from today is it doesn't matter, small group, mission community, microchurch, if we can get outside of this, if we can change the paradigm, if we can get outside of this idea of existing for ourselves, if get beyond that let's just get together and have community but if we can take that community and orient it around mission that we were created as the sent ones of jesus whatever it looks like whatever form it takes and whatever you call it whether you do it in a, a manure filled round pen or you do it in a coffee shop it doesn't matter uh, mission is mission lean into it if you're listening and you're like I'm more confused now than ever. 
contact us at Forge. We'd love to, to journey with you. Uh, if you're anywhere near the Boston area, the, 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 north, uh, the Northeast, contact Drew, um, forgeboston.com. They can, they can find you. .org. My pad. Forgeboston.org. If you're in the Pacific Northwest, uh, forgealbany.org. There you go. All right. Yeah, if you're yeah. in Texas, forgeaustin.com. That's how we do it down here. Uh, and then, yeah. So just uh, forgeamerica.com. We'll get you wherever you're at in the country. We'll get you connected. But we would love to journey with you as you try to figure this out. There is no reason for you to try to do this on your own. It is crazy because once you, it's so easy to get stuck in the weeds because uh, you've got so much going on, but we'd be happy to help you. So thank you guys for being on the call. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you think about it, go to iTunes, give us five stars, share this with your friends. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks guys.